Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike, people who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton as they break down the modern-day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Good to see you again, Ben. We're into episode seven of season two. It's fun to see you. It's good to see people, like in person. I realized that uh, people are still buying and selling homes. I had a listing appointment yesterday, and it was like a real joy to sit in their backyard <laughs> at a safe distance. It was it was more fun than I would have imagined. Well, uh, welcome to you who's tuning in today. My name is Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And you're listening to Real Estate in the 608, real estate podcast. We talk about the news headlines every day about real estate. We surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. Yeah, we'll do things like give you the news. What's the highest and lowest sales of homes in the Madison area? We're going to get a top of the hour tip and a market update from our friends at Lauer Realty Group. And uh, we'll also be featuring some local music. We like to keep it local. That's uh, local artists that you'll hear throughout the podcast. My name's Adam. I'm a homeowner, a former news reporter and radio personality. Uh, UX user experience practitioner is my job as well. Uh, I guess we add podcaster to that resume as well now, too, don't we? I'm Ben Anton, landlord, broker, associate at the Lauer Realty Group, and uh, in this last month, caregiver. Oh, that's right. Your poor daughter has been like... Uh, she was in the hospital. We, we won't tell. I don't know like, if you want to tell like her medical stuff, but... Emergency appendectomy. Oh, my gosh. That's not the one where they give you ice cream afterwards. Oh, what do they give you? A like, sock in the chin? Or <laughs> it, I'll, I tell you, but that would be crossing a line, and okay. it was gross. Oh, poor kiddo. But yeah, spent uh, 15 of the last 20 days in the hospital. Oh. So, uh, but today, uh, I think everything's good. Today was the, the third admission to the UW uh, Children's Hospital on uh, on Highland there in a month, um, and uh, and I think she's good. So, oh, I feel all's for well you, that man. ends well. Lots of masks, I'm guessing, Lots all the time. Of, oh, the hand sanitizer flows oh, like rain. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're keeping it safe, and I hope she's on the road to recovery. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> We've got an interesting guest coming in today, someone I've been looking forward to talking to, Araceli Esparza. She's a podcaster. She has the podcast Midwest Mujeres. Is she is her art award winning or is her podcast? No, award her podcast winning? is. How do you, so how we, do you do that? We better straighten up. You apply to the Best of Madison list and and you get on there. Okay, uh, well, but, but you also get sponsors and you do good work. You do good podcasting. That's well, we're really, trying. Yeah. We're doing good work. I think you do great work. It's like, Adam. how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Right. Practice. practice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is this is practice like season two, episode seven. Yeah. That's a lot of practice. One of the reasons I'm excited to bring her on is because, Ben, you and I have spoke about our privilege. One of the things that we can do with our privilege is make sure we center voices of people of color. Hoist others up with that same privilege. That's exactly right. The first contact we had with Araceli was we were trying to be inclusive and speak. We were trying to speak Spanish. I was the trying, best we could. trying to be funny. Yes. It was, I, was, I was going for the humor inclusiveness. 
this and I tried to say something in Spanish. I don't I don't remember. Yeah, what and, it was. and we got called out, <laughs> but she was you know in very good humor about it, and it actually opened up a conversation to have her on today, which is which is awesome. And I we will it, yeah. also uh, for those of you, uh, we're going to have some Spanish language features oh, okay. today. Our top of the hour tip, okay, and our market update will be delivered by. Uh, Alejandro Torres, our Spanish-speaking agent at the Lauer Realty Group. So it's love it. We are like Duolingo, a, yeah, on Espanol today. Very good. What's been going on since last time, Ben? In the last month, we've spent a lot of time at the hospital. Mm. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think that 2020 could <laughs> get any more crazy. But we, you know, they start out with the coronavirus, then you have the protests, then you had George Floyd, and then the, then those protests. Arguable police brutality right here in Madison, mm-hmm. uh, followed by protests. Um, I, I have argued with, or I have seen enough people talking about defunding the police. Mm-hmm. I thought I sounded smart when I said something, and I and I want to share. Like I, I felt like sharing that, so I'm, I'm using my privilege to share that with you. Yeah. But uh, for the, a friend of mine witnessed the arrest of Yeshua uh, on oh, yeah. on the square. Yeah, a client, yeah. a woman I sold the house to, uh, or is. I'm currently working with, uh, and it, it was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. So I, I had to think about this. The, the the call to then defund the police to me simply was the question: Should a police force as well resourced as the Madison Police Force, with with tanks and troops and horses yeah. and cars and every nearly every single resource that they request, they are given in our in our land of plenty here. Shouldn't they have a better way to get a single man from a restaurant into the backseat of a car? Now, I realize that he Mm. resisted, but everything we have of all the money we give our policemen, Mm -hmm. and they're fine, and the majority of which are fine people, isn't there a better way? Yeah, you know what? And that's a fantastic question. I think that's a question a lot of people are asking right now as we reimagine what police work might be. And I think some of those conversations need to be had, and I think they are starting to be had. And I, my hope is we don't just like talk about it and then just let it go away. Yeah, unfortunately, there are no, there is no such thing as a uh, government surplus social worker. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the concept <laughs> behind defunding. Why not take some of the money that went there and apply those to other things, such as social workers or somebody who wouldn't have the it's, outcome that we don't want to see? Yes, it is not like yeah. a television commercial that I saw that spoke of the likely outcome of defunding the police on a five-day wait for police service. Yeah, yeah. In my life, I, I guess uh, doing things I can to keep on learning. Attended a conference just this week about about white privilege and racism in Madison. It was very enlightening, thinking of the ways to be an advocate. One thing related to the podcast, I did get some new insurance from Jeff First. Who I was saw our, Jeff First yesterday. <laughs> he was our guest earlier this year. And I was like, you know, I've been trying him out. I, I'm gonna, I called him up and I said, hey, give me a quote. I'm kind of tired of the people that I have. They pissed me off. The last time he sent me a quote, I checked it out. I did some research on the company. They seemed legit. And uh, I think I saved 400 bucks this bada year. Bada boom, bada bing. It's not bad. I'm pleased with that. Uh, the Lindsay Lemmer for Assembly campaign has been going strong. We're in kind of like the debating phase. That was a debate yesterday. There was a debate yesterday. It was, it was on Facebook. It was on Facebook. I watched the whole thing. It's fantastic. Did someone declare a winner? Uh, I did, Lindsay. <laughs> no, that's a little forward. Maybe but. a little bias. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe some bias there. Uh, let's say the candidates mostly did a good job. Um, I was very proud of Lindsay. Well, good luck. Yeah. To both a, of you. And one of the happier moments, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, I had a bumper sour cherry crop. 
this year. Has a pie been made? Crumble. A crumble? A crumble was made. Because you need the sweetness of the sugary crumble. You do. To combat the sour cherry. It was delicious. They're good <laughs> eating right off the vine, but hey. <laughs> I'm not a cherry person. That was never my thing. All right. Well, that's what's been going on since last time. Hi, I'm Bill Anton, Ben Anton's dad, and his only four-star Zillow rating. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Yes, uh, for, for those of you who, who think that <laughs> sounded a lot like me, it does. That's my dad, and he is legit my only four-star Zillow review. That was quite the resounding <laughs> endorsement, Ben. I, li- yeah. I like it. Uh, so if you've uh, ever had a pretty good experience working with me but have yet to register your thoughts at Zillow, uh, feel free to log on and see if you can do better than my dad. It's been going on from the headlines. <laughs> headlines. One of the one of the super real estate adjacent uh, uh, headlines in the last month was was a real in- interesting piece. I think it aired on Channel 3, Channel 3 and then was available on Channel 3000 about redlining. Mm-hmm. And, and redlining is... The exact kind of institutional and systemic racism that people are talking about, like seemingly innocuous decisions made at a government or system level that yeah. had long lasting effects. I wouldn't even say they're like seemingly if you like look at the language that they yeah. used. I mean, it's it was, like straight up racist stuff that but, they put but in it, there. It appears to us today to be straight up racist. Yeah. So anyway, we reached out to the woman, uh, the doctor, uh, Paige Glotzer, mm-hmm. uh, who, who was interviewed in that piece, and she has agreed to meet with us mm-hmm. uh, in September. That's awesome. An expert from UW-Madison. So yeah, we talk yeah. about surrounding ourselves with people smarter than us. That piece was on redlining. And then there's been a lot of, because of that, and I think because of some recent development uh, talks in the sassy neighborhood, um, lots of talk about gentrification as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of reckon or throw back to, uh, to our interview with city planner uh, Dan McAuliffe, uh, because we talked about uh, gentrification and the fact that it is often almost required that it is preceded by disinvestment. Mm-hmm. So I got into it with this guy on the, on Facebook who like... Oh, who, you got into a Facebook argument? I got into a Facebook oh, argument man. in the <laughs> neighborhood, well. in, this, in the sassy Shank Atwood Stuckweather Yahara neighborhood uh-huh. page. And he really wanted, he really just didn't, oh, he, he like, he like spoke to me like I was the man. Uh-huh. Like, like, oh yeah, just tell the public. No, I'm just like some guy. I'm just some guy who has, who's, but I have literally seen this happen. The, the worst of the homes, once they get into the hands of someone who, whose goal is to improve them, the very worst of the homes will become the best of the homes because they have been let go so far that every single thing needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. If I have to fix every single thing, it's going to be nearly perfect when it's done, and therefore it's going to cost that much more. Case in point, Ray Peterson. Ray Peterson was a slumlord, famous on the on the east side. Oh yeah, I the think city, he actually lived on the road from where I lived once. He, he does, yeah. and I, yeah, he may. St- I think he's still alive. What? But the city took all his houses away because they mm-hmm. were in such bad shape. Today are some of the highest valued properties in their neighborhoods because. Every single thing was wrong with them. So every single thing had to be fixed. So the argument that you had on Facebook. The argument, I would like to break... I can't. I I refuse to remember the guy's name. Yeah, and I'd have to look it up. It's never worth. But it's but it's for serious. It's for real. Yeah. Disinvestment, letting not being a good steward, 
That was the thing, because I think he's afraid, like, you're going to make me mow my lawn and take care of my house and paint it and stuff. Yeah, because if you don't, <laughs> it's going to get worthless, and then someone's going to have to come and fix everything. And just by the nature of having to do that, it will become one of the more, the housing stock will be more expensive. Some, anyway. pe- some people don't want it. Some people are just, like, trained to their own So disinvestment. Beliefs. Yeah. Disinvestment leads to gentrification. I put my foot down. I'm saying that is what I believe. July, welcome. Atwood Fest doesn't happen. Yeah. So we're gonna I'm gonna mention it one more time. Eastsidefestivals.com. It's a good way to see who was gonna throw that party. And, uh, and how to connect with them and support them if you can. Give them a hand. Yep. Let's talk about the lows and the high sales. Lows and the highs. Uh, some, we, we've had one low sale out in the Southwest, or what I called like in the direction of Epic. But $128,000. That's low, yeah. For a three-bedroom, two-bath ranch Okay. on uh, two acres. And it was not a very pretty house. It was likely manufactured. Like not quite, mm-hmm. not quite trailer home manufactured, but like came in halves and got put together sure. on, on a basement manufactured. And it had that look to its interior where, you know, that, you know, the look where everything's symmetrical and the cathedral ceiling goes up. It's little, yeah. And it's a really long, narrow house. Yeah. So this, this house was also moldy, was on the market for 60 days. What, what does that mean, though, when it's moldy? If they just say it's moldy, does it mean to have like a spot of mold or like mold is like everywhere? It, pro- it means that the mold is, if they, if they put it right in the ad, it's pretty evident. It's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Good to but, know. Uh, it was on the market for 60 days, listed at 163, sold 60 days later for 128. Highest price? Back in the bluff. It's almost kind of like, should we even have this part of the feature? <laughs> it's kind of like it, the lowest needs a contrast. I guess, yeah, it, I guess for that gonna... reason, we could say it. So, yeah. Um, so instead of telling you all about the house, that it, it will first we'll mention the bathroom to bedroom ratio because right. that's we decided that's the sign of wealth. You have right. to have, yeah. have to have more bathrooms than bedrooms. So ensure that it checks there at 4.5 baths at four bedrooms, 2.25 million at 209 Farwell Drive. Um, so I thought, well, what else could we learn? About looking at this house, we will learn about what it, what is called the single party listing. Oh, okay. Tell me, I don't. I've right. not heard this before. When a real estate person like myself facilitates a deal, they have to have like a an agreement. Like every like there's an you're an agent. Uh, in this case, that person, the uh, sellers, signed a listing agreement for a single buyer. If you're my real estate, I said, Adam, I would like you to sell my house to Jim. And I'm, oh, okay. So I will sign a listing agreement with you, so that. Our relationship is on paper and dictate and like and it, it covers what I'm going to pay you. It just it, it covers your duties and your allegiances. It makes our relationship legal and it sets the boundaries and the compensation. And it's like if me, the homeowner, I have somebody in mind that I already want to sell it to, but I want you to do the work for me. Or kind of. if I, the agent, have a buyer who really wants your house, and I say, gotcha. okay. Adam. Mm-hmm. I've got this guy who just loves your house and he really wants to buy your house. Would you be willing to, to sell it to him? I will act as the list agent and I will sign a listing. All right. So some benefits to the agent there, some benefits uh, each way around. I yeah. mean, like, is, I don't know, is money saved in this process? Is Generally, like- in, a, in a single party listing contract, the, the commission would not be the typical 6% 
that you would you would pay for the full market exposure, uh-huh. which in a lot of ways pays the agent, but it's also paying for the marketing and the yeah, and right. the, the back of the house support and the showing time, the third party, the pictures, the showing requests. That it, right, you take part, some of that jazz out of there that you don't you take have that all use. out of there. Yeah. So there, single party listing, single party. Just listing. learn something. If you ever wanted to sell your house, but not have it be on the market. And you knew somebody who might want to, you could hire an agent to facilitate the deal. All right. Those are the highs and lows. Up next, we've got our guest coming in, Araceli Esparza, host of Midwest Mujeres uh, podcast. She's got a lot of things going for her. I actually tuned into some of her podcasts just to see, like, oh, what she's doing is kind of interesting. She keeps busy. She does keep busy. She's got a lot of great topics. She talks about things in the social justice area, talks about, in particular, Mujeres is women. So she talks about Midwest women and mostly about how. Latinx people live in the Midwest, and sometimes there's a feeling of isolation. Yes, and that's something I wanted to ask her about, and, and, and we'll find out more. She'll be in right after El Consejo de la Parte Superior de la Hora. That's as close as I can imagine to the top of the hour tip. I'd say, that's close, good. <laughs> Local advice from some of our favorite Lauer Realty Group agents this month, Alejandro Torres, en Espanol. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. And with today's top of the hour tip is our Spanish-speaking agent, Alejandra Torres. Hola, Ben. Muchas gracias. Yo soy Alejandra Torres con Lauer Realty. Y el consejo de la hora es, ¿sabían que probablemente pueden ahorrar casi el 10% de sus pagos anuales de seguro de casa si aumentan su deducible de 500 dólares a 1,000 dólares. A nivel nacional, el reclamo más frecuente son por daños causados por el viento y el granizo. ¿No les parece mejor pagar más de deducible? Y si no tienen un reclamo en decir cinco años, les sale ahorrando sobre el tiempo. And now, for our English language listeners, the top of the hour tip, Did you know that you can likely save almost 10% on your annual homeowner's insurance premium if you raise your deductible from $500 to $1,000? Nationally, the most frequent claim is for wind and hail damage. While you'll pay a slightly higher deductible, if you aren't making a claim, say, more often than every five years, you'll be ahead. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. Coming up in just a few, our special guest, Araceli Esparza from the Midwest Mujeres podcast. First, Ben, let's talk about the house that Rhonda bought. This keeps getting more and more exciting. <laughs> this story keeps going, it's, it's man. Like, it's, little did we know that it'd be season three before it's coming down. It will be torn down. Quick recap, bring everybody up to speed. Bought it for $85,000 last year. Saw that a new build would mean some pretty tight numbers. Not losing money, 
but not making a whole lot of money either. Then she says, Ben, why don't you try to sell it again? Let's see if we can get what we paid for it, right? So I had it on the market for about 60 days. We got as high, we got an offer as high as 79 nine. Mm-hmm. But it was right towards the end. And by the time we got to the end, she was kind of like emotionally invested in the idea of building. Instead of this pretty big three, two, 1400 square foot house that would rent for you know, 1800 bucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She says, you know what? If I built a little house, I could probably rent it for about $1,200. So she's going to spend about two-thirds of the money on the house and rent it for about three-quarters. So the return on investment mm-hmm. of a, on the rent-wise of the smaller house, like 860-square-foot, two-bedroom, the return is just so much better than that bigger house that was going to cost about $340,000 to be all in. Sure. It's a little longer game of a return, though. Funny story. Got there. It was a recycling plan, right? So when you tear mm-hmm. something down, the city's going to make you make you file a recycling plan. Took all the siding off, uh-huh. the aluminum siding, and took it to a metal recycler and have a coupon or oh, a, yeah. a receipt then to show the city how much we'd recycled in weight. And about a week later, she got a letter from the city that the house is so ugly that she needs to get the siding back up. <laughs> That's the plan. So, right? <laughs> so they set, they set a deadline of August 23rd. Uh, and Rhonda has set a deadline of a hole in the ground by about that same time. So oh, okay. we'll hope she beats him to it. All right. The story continues. That is the house that Rhonda bought. Uh, let's talk to our guests, Araceli Esparza. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Across the table from me, Ben Anton, and currently on the line, uh, our guest for today, uh, Arceli Esparza. Uh, Arceli, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on this uh, rainy Thursday. Oh, I know, I know. We have been mentioning that you do the Midwest Mujeres podcast, and we've been saying award-winning. Is that correct? Well, we were nominated. Award, okay, we were nominated. nominated. All right. It's always an, always an honor to be nominated, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, but that's not all you do. You have a, a really long list of things that are, are in your title. So we have got you listed as a partner at the Dane County Time Bank. I may have been a bit, uh, what is that, hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided to call you an amateur bathroom remodeling general contractor. <gasps> yes. She'll take it. So, so welcome, welcome to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight. Uh, the, the, before we get into anything, uh, we need to decide. What do we need to decide, Adam? Yeah, we always got to find out if our guest is any fun. We need to decide if you are fun. And the way we do that is to play a get to know you game, a quiz game, a Madison history and environs game called the way it used to be. Oh. It used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be Alrighty then, yeah, get right. to be with your best shot <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these, are, these are custom catered questions specific to you, Araceli Now located in the Voyager Hall Learning Center on the Epic Verona campus the carousel from famous eatery Ella's Deli was removed and sold in what year? Oh, my gosh. Now, Araceli told me she used to work <laughs> at the Ella's Deli on East Washington. Mm-hmm. And there, there's an awareness of, of the carousel, right? Certainly. Everybody, see, everybody's yes. seen the carousel. Right? Everybody knows the carousel. And we, yes. we, we were sad. I didn't even know it was moved. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right Look on the you. money, actually. <laughs> well done. 2018, so we know. So there's three questions. You are at least 30% fun. Are <laughs> For those who who wouldn't know what I know, mm-hmm. your neighborhood was famous for its smells. Oh. What bakery also said goodbye to Madison? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I know. Also... <laughs> so t- 2018 was a sad year. What bakery also said goodbye to Madison in late 2018? The fifth owner of the Gardener's Bakery, uh-huh. which yes. was founded in 1926. So who was it that left us in 2018? Well, but it wasn't Gardner anymore. Correct. Sarah Lee. I'm looking. I'm looking. Yes. Oh, oh. I need money. I need money at this level. <laughs> <laughs> or was it not Sarah Lee? Oh, no, no. It was Bimbo. Yeah, well done. Wow, you're on a roll here. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. So Bimbo, Bimbo Bakery. Bimbo. Yeah, Bimbo, Bimbo. I think. Bimbo. The white the white guy at the table said Bimbo. But, um, <laughs> but that's, a, that's okay. What you guys don't know is that I have the plush toy of Bimbo. He's a tiny white teddy bear. Yeah, with it's a, a bear. Shark. Yeah. Yes, he's a little bear with a a, a baker's hat. Oh, not and unlike the Pillsbury Doughboy, maybe a little bit, yes, but a bear. Yeah, like, but a bear. You're right. <laughs> it's a little nod to Pillsbury. I, yes. <laughs> so, are, are you okay. are you well read, Araceli? Uh, sometimes I've been told, but all right, well, here we go. <laughs> well, this is this is uh, this is your neighborhood specific again. Named for famous American author Nathaniel Hawthorne. Hawthorne School, which was which we mentioned in, in another podcast, it was mm-hmm. another quiz question, was originally located at the site of Hawthorne Park in the Shanks Corners neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what novel did author Nathaniel Hawthorne publish in eighteen fifty? You know, I could type it right away in the Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's. Now I feel like I need to know this answer. <laughs> we, could, we could do a hint here too. Oh, that- no, give me a hint. Give me a if, hint. If you type it Let's into Chrome, don't have technology. maybe you could just type a big A, a red A. The, yeah. Let's just the Scarlet that. Letter, Araceli. Uh, what? The Scarlet oh, Letter. You wrote that one? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, because we're the generation that didn't have Chrome. We actually learned this the hard way when people would actually tell us. <laughs> just and then right. Go to the library, <laughs> right? And exactly. actually learn it. <laughs> you are two-thirds fun. And you okay. qualify. I'd say, still, that, I'd say that's fun. You were pretty fun, even though she tried to prove her yeah. fun by looking it up quickly on the internet because <laughs> because we can't see you. That's enough to get the uh, the, the home version of Real Estate in the 608 board game. <laughs> you'll, you'll take home the, the prize. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to start about, uh, you know, the beginnings of, of your home ownership experience. Uh, we know that it, that you're in that Hawthorne Hawthorne neighborhood, not too far behind the the former Bimbo Bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, Lovely neighborhood. When when did you find yourself buying a house in that over there? Gosh, it was like close to four or five years ago, right before or it, somewhere in between some kind of real estate bubble. But it was mm-hmm. um, I literally found it like just driving around and yeah. Well, like four or five years ago now. We're going on to five years. And you're right to say that 2015 was kind of the tail end of what I called recession pricing. 
as as part of that first is your first time buyer is there anything specific to that part of your home buying process that you felt was different because you are a person of color or or some lesson that was learned historically minorities are underrepresented in in home ownership right. especially in a, in a town like our madison like everyone says it's so unique almost as unique as giving birth Right. I think it's just like, you know, just the effort it took to cross the, just cross one of the pre, pre-approvals during that time. Cause you said, it, you know, you said it, you're like, that is right when prices were ramping up. But remember the stringentness, it was kind of like around the, after the backlash, right? Because exactly. it was so easy back, back in 2010 to get these loans. And so now by the time we were actually qualifying, it took, you know, so long to get to that point And then just to like, get to that pre-approval phase it was just it was so tedious it was so tedious I can't tell you like um I will say that I think what helped was that being a person of color we're early adapters to a lot of technology and so it was interesting we did a lot of docu-signs that were documents that were done a lot of virtual things were done so it was a lot of like me being tech savvy enough to like kind of navigate that that process. Um, I don't know. And for some people, it might be a disadvantage. And for some folks, it might be an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was it was the one tool I could na- was able to utilize and navigate, um, and that helped me with technology. Um, had I not been somebody that already played around with technology and like apps and so forth, um, I don't think it would have been as easy. And my husband too. We both are like really you know, good at researching internet stuff. And, you know, we have been looking at Zillico and like we have been looking at so many different, you know, resources, advice and so forth to like get us to that point of buying. And then also understanding like what programs were out there for us. Um, We were out of, you know, we were, uh, we were out of income for a lot of um, first time home buyer programs, but then we were, that allowed us to have a little bit more buying power. If people understand what that means, like having a little bit more buying power to your dollar. Mm -hmm. So that way you can, you know, put an offer that was reasonable in the market that could sustain what we wanted. And so that was, um, that was the hardest part is just having the dollar amount available. I mean, I think that took us mm-hmm. so long. We had gotten married when got my daughter's 12. <laughs> we got married 12 years. <laughs> so we got married in 07. And so it took us that long to build equity and to build the credit resources. And I think that's all due to like systemic um, oppression and so forth and barriers. But um, yeah. once you get to that point, um, Man, you've been cleaned out so many times, <laughs> but the bank that there is really nothing they don't know about me, right? Like, like they use the dirt yeah. under my nails, you know, they just need everything about me. And um, yeah, it was a great learning lesson in a lot of fronts. Um, everything we're doing, our taxes were analyzed to like, um, what was your down payment and having um, having to even do like an, a little arm loan just mm-hmm. for the down payment because we didn't have, I don't have a... My parents didn't have, like, a generational, like, hey, have mm-hmm. this, you know, for your down payment. So all of it was, like, things that we had saved up over years for the down payment, too. But that even wasn't enough either. Guys, man, they paid you for everything. Man. <laughs> they paid you for every paper and bed. <laughs> and you're, like, at the last minute, like, wait, what, wait, what, what? <laughs> We uh, were discussing redlining, and that was one of the things, one of the longer-term effects of redlining was the fact that it didn't allow your your father or their fathers or, or any person of color's ancestors to have the same opportunity to build that wealth. I didn't necessarily— And necess- to pass that down from generation to generation. And to pass it down to their, right. to their children. 
but my dad helped me a little bit on my first on my first purchase, mm-hmm. and it right. just it just made things go a little bit smoother. Right. And and without that okay. extra little nudge, things things might not go as as smooth. Early adoption oh, of we those. We had to give up a car. We had to sell oh. a car. We sold the furniture just because, like, at the end, you know, they're closing costs, and it's just like, whoa, man, that's another two to five thousand dollars that wasn't part of the family. It was so it was like all these. I'm not going to say they were surprises, right? When you've done this so many times for banks, it's hard for them to communicate all of these things, right? But if you're not going in with, like you were saying, that little cushion, it can be very frightening. We right. sold a car. We yeah. actually, um, yeah, we did a lot of different things to just like come up with it. <laughs> I've had to have people um, people sell a car or remove a, or to get rid of that one extra payment right. to make their debt to income ratios a little bit yep. more attractive to the to the bank. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. It's time for the market update. In with today's market update is the lovely, the beautiful, the Alejandra Torres, or in Spanish, Alejandra Torres. <laughs> Muchas gracias, Ben. Hola, yo soy Alejandra Torres de Lauer Realty Group y la actualización del mercado para julio 2020 es de muchas de las personas que estaban tratando de comprar desde el principio del año hasta ahora tuvieron que renovar su contrato de alquiler de casa y por lo tanto se tuvieron que salir del mercado. Mientras todavía hay compradores, hay menos que al principio del año y sigue siendo un mercado de vendedores. Así que, vendedores, si su precio está razonable, todavía hay compradores disponibles para usted. And for our English language listeners, the market update for July 2020 is as we get into the depths of summer, we're also entering real estate's fall. While this is still a seller's market, many buyers have had to renew their lease for another year. Many buyers that were unable to compete earlier in the season are now finding opportunities to shine in a slightly less competitive field. Sellers, there's still likely a buyer out there for you. If you price your home accordingly, you'll do great. Thank you, Alejandra. Nice to have you Gracias on the program. Ben. Gracias a ti, Ben. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. He's Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Our guest uh, on the phone in studio is Araceli Esparza uh, of the Midwest New Harry's podcast. Also, uh, the title, Amateur Bathroom Remodel General Contractor. Yes. That's, a, a, long, that's a long it's title. It's hyphenated. Can, can, it's we, can we shrink that down to like bathroom specialist or something like sure. that? <laughs> Warrior? I had no idea she was going to do this like two years ago. Um, that's what it's called. It's more like I had no idea, guys. Yeah, it was like one of those things where I'm like, okay. Well, 12-year-old oh, daughter. Like, that means you need another bathroom. Yeah. You're trying to oh, no. We're not, and don't forget about the 20-year-old son. Oh. <laughs> so the bathroom was overdue. And now, Arcelia, you've been there for five years, and I'd say you're doing just fine. You're going to do better. we are, but you're you gonna- know, you know, it could change any moment and life is so unpredictable, but I have a feeling, you know, we're going to be here for a long time. I, no. I don't suspect us moving. Um, I've lived in the East side for, gosh, I moved in the East side when I was like 15. And so I have, um, yeah, we've, I have no, no, I, no chance <laughs> to, what to say here. <laughs> what All to right. Say here? I have no so you've been there five but, years. Your your daughter's getting a certain age. She's spending a little bit more time in front of the mirror. 
your son, he's just he's getting he's probably getting to to be a certain size as a twenty year, just taking up more space. You say yeah. you need a new bathroom. What's your what's your first step? Oh my gosh, where do we begin? Where is the water being? That <laughs> That's what I wrote down here. I wrote I wrote sighting. I said I imagine that one of those first steps is sighting. So I've got a few points here, but you could probably tell us. You already brought up the where is the water main? And that and that's going to tell us generally, generally speaking, for for your listening pleasure, um, the water main and the sewer lateral were usually laid in the same trench when they built your house. Like they didn't dig, they didn't dig two trenches. Mm-hmm. They would dig a single okay. trench. So usually, where the water main comes in at the front off the street is going to be just about the same location that your sewer lateral comes in. Is that true for most houses in Madison? True for most houses. And the closer you can be to that sewer lateral, the less concrete. And that's, that's you know, it, like why is, it, why is it better to do it that way? Because you don't have to haul that much concrete out of your basement in a bucket. Okay. And that saves yeah. money. <laughs> and, and was that your thought process too, RSL? Is like, this looks like the place where the project is going to happen. It did only because we could have done it underneath the stairs of the basement, right? But we were like, you know what? Uh, I don't like the idea of, like, going roundabout back. And then you had to, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, it did come into play at one time. It was really just that side of the because the other side of the basement is the laundry. So this side of the basement mm. was just like these large storage areas that were somebody put some wood framings of, like, for just really generic storage um, shelving, right? So the idea was just remove all that and then have it on one of the one of the, the sides of the wall and utilize that. And already you have at least one side done for you. And the electrical, where it was coming from the box, it would be an easier match. So it was kind of like meeting in the middle, really, of like where to do it. And the best, and plus it's one of the, you know, it's raining like crazy right now, and I do live on the east side, and so there are going to be a little bit of leaks happening. And so, to a place that didn't have leaks, one place where the where the walls weren't leaking. Ninety <laughs> percent of basement water issues are related to surface water. Ninety yeah. percent surface water, the, the uh, water that, means, that comes in. That means gutters and downspouts. Oh, okay. If you get right. that rain, yes. if you get that rain to run away from the house, ninety yeah. percent of the time, your basement's going to stay dry. Anyway, Absolutely, but, yeah. but we yes, did find in, one way to do it on one side of it. So that one is running out, but it's just, yeah, we're still, we're still learning. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's good though. Cause if you're going to make an investment in your basement, you want to protect it. You don't want to spend yeah. money and then have, have a, a leaky, a leaky wall or a crack in the basement wall, start adding water to your, to your, to your brand new basement. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Uh, He has been Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. On the line, we've got Arcelia Sparza. Uh, She's a podcaster. She's also a bathroom remodeler. We're talking about her story of, it sounds like you're in your basement. You visualized like where this bathroom is going to go. And then where did you go from there? Oh, my God. I had no idea these things require frame. (laughs) (laughs) I, I had no idea that. It would happen in the layers that it did. I mean, I think that's where I was like, what? You know, um, definitely getting the plumber was the first thing, right? And mm-hmm. analyzing where we would break the, the line and, break, you know, what he was talking about, like removing the cement and re-cementing. And then also working with somebody that was going to frame 
right? So Putting up the walls, yeah. General, yeah, so that contract kind of knew how to, like, you know, um, space it out, give us kind of, like, the parameters and so forth and lay that out exactly where the Grand Royale would be <laughs> and the <laughs> sink and the and why not put a shower? Now, see, that was my little contention. Like, I didn't really want a shower down there. I went, who is going to take a shower in a basement with no window? Like, that to me, it just felt <laughs> all claustrophobic. Um, <laughs> it is claustrophobic a little bit. But it made sense uh, because, honestly, if you're just already putting a bunch of holes in and you're that shower, thing is the least of your worries it's like really it was like framing it and making sure that electrician too right having having the right person to come in and help us figure that part out and learning some of it on your own yeah once but you once you break into the concrete had... you've spent the money like that's i'm gonna add a few things and, and rsl these may sure, these may ahead. sound familiar to you but just about the smallest that a bathroom can be is five foot by seven because. And that is because, then that's with a tub. I should say that ha- that bathroom has a tub. But a tub is five feet wide. And then the seven feet will add up from about the 36 inches of the tub, a 36-inch clearance that code requires for the toilet, and 24 inches that's required for the sink. You pack them in all there and there as tight as you can be. It's, it's that seven feet wide. It's a small bathroom. It's a small bathroom. Right, there's that's a, a small one. There's a certain minimum amount of, like, of, like, Landing. I don't know what you could take off and landing from the toilet. Like <laughs> the wall, the wall needs to be at least two feet from the front of the bowl, so that you can. Yes. Especially a big guy like you or me, Adam. Like you need that. <laughs> you need the clearance, the space, okay, to, to like to rise, mm-hmm. to ascend from the throne. <laughs> But the what, sm- what the did you smaller. call it earlier? Did you call it a crown royale? Isn't that, isn't that what it's called? <laughs> or is that liquor? Oh my God, sorry guys. I, we're, we're shining a light on our cultural no, differences right. today. But so for a three-piece bathroom, that's just about the smallest. But if you would like to imagine one in your basement, you can also just imagine that five by seven, that five by seven rectangle right. is going to be about as tight as you can get it. But that's right. not what. And we were having. We didn't. That's what I got. I didn't get the tub. I just said standing shower. What I think was the, the hardest, I mean, I think as a person of color, I just also knowing like all the permits and I'm sure we'll get into this more later on, but just like, wow, knowing all that, it's like, yeah, I read up on it and I still was like, I still missed like one permit, I think out of all of my, you know, and I studied, okay, you know, I got permits for all of it, you know, electric, all the framing, all of that. Oh, yeah. But at the end, I needed a building permit and we had to draw out a little like, you know what I'm saying? Like a... Like yeah, a, you, a, a, you know, scale, a scale drawing. Scale. And yeah. usually scale that's drawing, yep. that's often happens first, but maybe you were unaware. You did it at the end. Right. I was unaware. <laughs> usually usually the, the first. the plumber did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, the, the plumber will pull his permit and the electrician will pull theirs, but they kind of, yeah. they're supposed to live under the umbrella of your of original building, building permit. Now. Um, which is which is FYI for all all y'all. That is also how the the assessor knows to ring your bell and it's say, "Hey, yeah. heard, heard you got a new bathroom. Can I come over and have a look at it?" <laughs> no, <I'm home>. <laughs> <laughs> is what I was told to say. <laughs> I'm kidding, but no, it is, and it was like, and this is after me watching so many YouTube videos. I mean, you had to plan everything out, you know, exactly where. Yellows were gonna go. Oh, before that, let me not forget. Oh, let me not forget the venting thing. Oh, sure. The well, thing yeah. that went through the wall and like two outside. 
Right. We don't have a window in that bathroom. It is to the side of whatever, you, you know, basement mm-hmm. window. Actually, what faces a basement window is our storage. So we took the whole side of the wall, and one part is the storage now, and the other part is the bathroom. And so, yeah, because of that, we had to put, a freaking, yeah, the vent thing, the little fan thing guy. <laughs> the fan thing guy. But uh, so we talked a little bit about the steps that you took and the planning. Now, as a, as a general contractor, um, how, did you, you mentioned yeah. working with a plumber? Did you do any of the electrical yourself? Uh, yes, yes, we did. We did some of it ourselves, absolutely, and that was done wrong the first time, and so we had to redo that again Oy. because they had to have like some sort of guard thing. Oh, I'm, I'm killing myself right now, not knowing what the oh GFCI something. Per- See? Ground fault circuit interrupter. And Thank you. Yeah. it is required in a in a wet location. Yeah. So anywhere in a in a kitchen or a or a bathroom. And then uh, also if it's in the basement or an exterior outlet, but they are the outlets that would have a test and reset button. Uh, and there's this very mm-hmm. small little mm-hmm. computer chip in there that, that shuts them off even faster than they can be shut off from the from the, the panel in the basement. So they're very safe. Just a- Please, yes. El pinche GFIs. <laughs> that means <laughs> el pinche GFIs. I was like, what is this? We had already spent $100 on all of these outlets <laughs> and only to know that we didn't have the pinche GFIs. That is why I'm so upset with that word because I, I've erased it from my brain. Oh. That's, that's the thing about, you know, building this stuff. It's like, it was, uh, it's a learning curve. And some of that yes. is like you're spending money to like, you might buy the wrong car thing and you got to deal with it as it comes but do you have the budget to even make uh, mistakes like that and granted that was a minor mistake many more things could have gotten wrong a a gfa a switch outlet you know we were out 80 bucks but honestly it could have been a lot worse we could have bought the wrong crown royale or (laughs) you know or whatever you want to call it right now (laughs) to note is that arcelli was able to do this work herself because it was her own home if you're a rental property owner or a landlord, all of the work that uh, like that would be done by a licensed electrician or a licensed plumber, you have to you have to hire those licensed parties. I will say that even if you are you know contracting out, interview them because the first couple of people that were my plumbers, I didn't it, it fell through for X Y Z reason. They didn't see it as a big enough catch, or they were like, you know what, I need more mm-hmm. money, and it was out of our budget. So we spent like. I'm going to say like four or five months until we decided with the right plumber, framer, team. And it was just the right combination for what we needed. It's very curious. Did did you have like, did you have questions in mind that you had for them that you kind of knew like, this is going to be my test for this person? I wanted to make sure that they could do it quickly during the day. I wanted to make sure that they, um, they knew, you know, I wanted the most, oh gosh, how should I say it? Like, I wanted the least amount of cement stuff taken out. So when he mm-hmm. came up with that idea and not having it under the basement, I knew exactly that he knew what he was talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, like, he right away chalked it out for us. Boom, boom, boom. He, this is where this, and I could visualize it. And I was like, this is the right person. He knows exactly where we want it. Prior people had tried to convince us in other places. They're like, because we want it next to the drain, which, okay, yes, but that's where I do my laundry. That's not going to happen. Or, you know, I can do this part, but not the other part for you. And honestly, we needed to have the framing done with the, bat- with the plumbing. And 
that is kind of the best formula because the drywall we can do ourselves or contract somebody just to do the drywall and then build. Once it was framed, I wasn't required right away to do the electrician. So that gives the electricity part, excuse me, like that gave us time to research and how to install that part too. So I really feel like I found somebody that honestly knew how to do a rough in. Let's just say that, right? Exactly. The rough in. Throwing yeah. terms like rough in out there because you're like, yeah, I just did the rough in myself. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Seems to me that if we're talking about people of color and opportunity and wealth building, that real estate inevitably has to fit into that conversation. Simply put, owning your own home has been a pathway to at least modest wealth creation for a lot of white Americans historically. So what does the data say about minority home ownership? The National Association of Home Builders says that minority home ownership got to about 51% ahead of the financial crisis in 2008. But that number drifted all the way back down toward 45% in 2016. But over the past few years, that number bounced back, reaching almost 50% by the first quarter of this year. The National Association of Realtors also put out a recent report on minority homeownership. Wisconsin's performance is mixed. The state ranks really low on African-American homeownership at 23%. That's the sixth worst in the nation. When it comes to Latino or Hispanic homeownership, the number is at 42%, sort of in the middle of the pack. Whites, 71% on the upper end of the spectrum for the U.S. The same report also included some interesting national statistics on recent home buyers. For example, 22% of homes purchased by African Americans nationally were for multi-generational purposes, compared to 18% for Latinos and Hispanics and 11% for whites. Square footage, about the same. 1,800 for African-Americans, 1,790 for Hispanic Latino, and 1,900 for white Americans. We still have a long way to go, Ben. Hopefully the trends continue upward even in these tougher times. With that, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. I got the blues cause my baby left me by the San Francisco Bay. On the ocean line I've gone so far away. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, Ben Anton is right across the table from me, my co-host, and we are speaking with Araceli Esparza uh, of the podcast, Midwest Muharis, which I think uh, we want to talk about in just a little bit. But um, we're we're largely talking about your bathroom remodel project. How did it turn out? I mean, is it looking good? Yeah. Do you like it? Do you use it? I love it. I love it. It is the biggest bathroom I've had ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, she, it was a female, but it's just so freshly painted. And, like, you know, the decorations we were able to come, you know, decide. Oh, one thing that was really nice is that we got a timer on our our little fan. So, it obviously, it's like you don't want to want to leave the fan. Oh, yeah, guys, we got techie with it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to leave a fan just there because I'm going to go upstairs. We just want to time it for five minutes because I'm only going to. You know, because the, it's in the basement, so there is humidifi- humidifying situations that we have to think mm-hmm. about, you mm-hmm. know. And so I do have a humidifier running, right, obviously. But even just having the fan, 
there too. No, I love my bathroom. I cannot. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been nice. <laughs> In this process, it sounded like there were some trials and tribulations and things learned. Uh, I think that goes with any like uh, home fix it project. Did you feel like a feeling of success that I've accomplished this thing? Oh, absolutely. And I should say that it, it was hard, but I mean, honestly, it was part of like the larger remodeling of the house. The house did not have AC when we bought it. No central air. Yeah, guys, <laughs> I made it for you. <laughs> these, these days, boy. Ooh, yes, I did. Yes, I did, y'all. Because I'm brown and I know how to sweat. No. Um, <laughs> but for real, though, it was, um, you know, a couple years without the AC and the windows were all like the old school windows where you had to put in the glass ones downstairs. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you had two sets of windows. So we had to get all that done. And so that was part of this. So there were three things that we were definitely working on when we bought this house. We knew that these things were delinquent or not having of this house when we bought it. And that was, I think, too, helped us to get it at the price we could have. I mean, honestly, a year later, they, this type of house was going 15000 more. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about, the prices have increased so much. Um, was it a journey? Yeah, was it hard? You know, it was more like just stumbling and just being patient with yourself, really. You know, just a lot of stumbling and like, okay, got to be patient, got to work on it, you know. But um, we did it little by little. I'm glad that we didn't rush into it. So from the time we started, it literally took probably like 11 or like 12, 10 months before we can say I'm using it. And it's like the lights are switching. <laughs> yeah. So if we do, we do a lot of uh, from the hip, from the hip pricing, mm-hmm. just to, just to, just to share. Are you comfortable? What would you say that the new bathroom yeah. in the basement cost you? Like just ballparking. was like 35 um then from the rest on uh, including consults and so forth and yeah and materials and yeah i think a good like six seven okay yeah, yeah. and we shoelaced it you know we really show that shoelaced it y'all it's not mm-hmm. i think most second bathrooms will cost you around nine to, maybe eight to ten but given that my husband's really handy, y'all. I can't, you know, I'm big of <laughs> Simaui. Mauricio is amazing. He learned all about electrician. He used to be a tattoo artist. You know what I'm saying? This guy can jimmy up stuff, and he's a mechanic. <laughs> Adam was thinking you know, about a real estate in the 608 tattoo. Yeah, he's thinking about it. <laughs> oh, you should. You should. I can, I, I, I can put a plug in for ultimate arts. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's, that's a good number. That six, that six, even just even the broad range of six to eight. That's that's a re- real reasonable number. And we came out with a storage space out of it. And yeah. we get, you know, the, right, you can't beat that. I mean, that was neat to, and yeah, we had hired people to help us with some of the, the finishing touches of the drywall to like clean out a lot of those old uh, shelvings that were there. So, I mean, this is a little bit more encompassing than just the pattern itself, but man, I was hard. Did I tell you about this, Dad? How I drove from like Menards <laughs> all the way to Madison with a Honda Fit. With the shower part sticking out of it. <laughs> out of the trunk of the fit or like on top? Yes. No, on the trunk. I had the hat kind of open, guys. Yes. yes. I, I think Adam used to open. drive a Honda Fit. I used to do, yeah. And I've, that's I've, a small car. I've hauled lumber that's been hanging out the back of that trunk plenty of times. Exactly. You know exactly what I was dealing with. I do. <laughs> It was trailing, but I'm like, I got to get the shower home. I got to get the shower home. <laughs> From a resale perspective, I know this is something that, that you're working towards, and I just want to mention it as we, as we share with the listeners. 
if ever you're making an investment in the lower level or in the basement, finishing space in the basement, the easiest way to maximize that investment is to make sure that that finished space is contiguous with the finished space upstairs. You don't want to walk. You don't want to walk into the basement stairwell and then like through the storage to get to your fancy new bathroom. Yeah. So yeah, no. so no. so in the long run, the end game should be to have a smooth and finished space all the way from up to yep. down. So that you so mm-hmm. as if you never left the finished space. That's how that can be the difference between receiving a hundred percent return on your investment, which I which you will easily do because you sharpened your pencil, right. RSLE. Or <laughs> or receiving only a portion of it because it doesn't feel connected and it doesn't feel part of the home. Does that make sense? You're absolutely yes. It totally makes sense because when I float, when I float, when I go to run downstairs, um, when I use the bathroom, it's like a clear entrance to it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you go down the stairs and I'm just like hanging in the left and boom, I'm there. But I don't have to go through anything to go there. And in fact, now it almost looks like I'm opening up to a whole other living potential space. Exactly. Like, nice. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, exactly. It just, it just flows with what is upstairs and it just, it makes sense because it's right up, kind of right above where the bathroom is upstairs, maybe a little bit more deeper, but honestly, it's on the same lateral line. It's on the same lateral wall. So you're absolutely right. I think it's important for it to look like, had we done it underneath the stairs, like that would have been too much of a turn. It would have been a 180 degree turn versus just like, I go left. That would have been like a little Harry Potter bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it would have been a Harry Potter bathroom. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what that means. But Harry, what is it? <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter lived under the stairs. He lived under stairs. Did he, he have? Did. A, he didn't have a bathroom there, though, did he? Oh, but if you build your bathroom under the stairs, it's like a little Harry Potter I, bathroom. I gotcha. Okay. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Uh, ben Anton is just across the table from me. My name is Adam Elliott. And on the phone, our in-studio guest, our on-phone studio guest. I don't know. We haven't figured out the exact language on that. Arcelia Esparza. She's uh, here in our hearts. She is here in our hearts. And she's been a fantastic guest this whole episode. Uh, Arcelia, one of the things, at least one of the spaces that we uh, discovered you was through your podcast, Midwest Mujeres. And you have been doing, the podcast has been around, is it a year, two? years now yeah a good year i tuned into a couple episodes just this week to see like uh, you know what's going on over there let's take a listen and see i found compassion i think i found heart i think i found some great stories and i was really impressed with what you're sharing are you an audio producer do you have like a radio communications background because i think they sound even like we could learn some lessons ben from their production (laughs) value really yeah it's good stuff i mean i heard it no it's I'm holding you up still, Adam. No. I think you're the, the bomb. I do, I do okay, but I think what you're doing there is like, it's good stuff. Live and on the fly. Thank you. Yes. Our producer, Dina Martinez, is like all to be credited for that. She's I know amazing. Dina Nina Martinez. Is that who does yes. the work for you? Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, that explains it. So, that explains <laughs> that. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah, that exactly. She can make all of us. Yeah, uh, she's made, she coaches us through it definitely, and like definitely takes in um, knows the pulse, right? She takes in the stories and knows the pulse of those stories, and it's so important when you're when you're doing this work to be partnered with someone that can really offer that. Now, whether or not we continue is another thing, but right now we're we're uh, we're um, embarking in an artist a Latino artist series, and we already have like two or three of them. We haven't launched them just yet. It's going to be our kind of um, a kind of it's a supported series by um, Madison Arts and the Dane County Arts Commission. And so stay tuned for that for those. And some of the artists that we're interviewing were actually artists from State Street. Uh, from the State Street displays that they're doing. Some um, of the murals, yeah, sure. right after, mm-hmm. Yeah, the murals, exactly. So we have two looking muralists that did that, and we're going to um, dive into that. But, yes, thank you for seeing the heart and the passion of it. It was really a way to introduce ourselves to introduce other folks to what's going on here. Who are our unsung heroes? You know, we have all kinds of guests from teachers um, to other local influencers, to leaders in the nonprofit community, to artists, uh, writers, uh, Angela Trudell, our poet laureates on there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we have a variety of folks that, you know, I really like your neighbors, like kind of getting to know your Latino Latinx neighbor and holding that space for them. I always say that my show is meant for the Latinos who live in like Cove, Wisconsin, and Berlin, Wisconsin, and and these are places I've been to. Okay, one, <laughs> um, and there are Latinos there in like Racine and and all kinds of places in Wisconsin that are very rural. And so we do this podcast to want to adapt to podcasting, which is like the new technology and the new wave of like storytelling and story sharing. And doing that with a Latino twist, I think it's going to help people feel, you know, more at home. Like, hey, I didn't know this about my culture, and now I know all these people. And it's in a language that I understand. Uh, most Latinos who are second, third generation, typically who grew up in, like, say, in the Midwest, may not know Spanish. There's a lot of Spanish mm-hmm. media, but not enough in English. And so let's talk about individuality through that. I was blessed to have a sister that's also like a radio producer. Um, uh, that was one of the there. episodes I listened to, by the way. That was like, oh, oh my gosh, she's like connected. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, honestly, like, that's, I know, that's how I feel too. <laughs> like, somebody who says, somebody who says a story like, oh, Rihanna was in the room and I wasn't paying attention to her because I was too busy with my stuff i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> so very impressive very much and then we have her sisters there too that have faced you know who have faced like discrimination who have been yelled at yeah. right mm-hmm. and that was a sad sad story and so we hold space for all of those experiences because they all make up who latinos are now living in the mid- in the midwest in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. these are, we all have different types of functions and work. Um, there were parents there, uh, like I said, just regular people. And sometimes we don't, we only see officials, you know, and so I wanted to really break that isolation both for them and for our audiences who might be living in like Rio, Wisconsin or, uh, Tacoma, <laughs> Wisconsin, who come across us and be like, okay, I'm Latina. I'm doing something Wisconsin. I'm here. 
maybe you put it in the search bar. Maybe it pops out somehow. But I hope you find us and enjoy. You know, enjoy yeah. a little bit of story storytelling. It's important. No, I mean like the magic kind of like of podcast too is that like um, you know Ben and I come from radio backgrounds too, so we see a lot of mar- we've seen a lot of market research, and we know like La Movida and like the stations here in Madison, like the the Latinx community are connected to their radio stations. They love they love that type of stuff and you are offering a medium to actually project even further than what radio can right now to you know like you said that rural audience that that's a beautiful thing i can't promise you a whole lot of crossover listening all right sally outside of because because we're real estate in the 608 yeah oh that's nice (laughs) well but outside of the 608 i'm not so sure how well how well we are received but uh we are happy to have to have made a space uh here for you and uh and and tried to do some of the same connecting that that you do with with your audience episodes as well and like I wish, I wish I would have heard you guys like five years ago when I was trying to buy this guy <laughs> <laughs> I might have saved myself some you know it's, and that's the thing it's like there were shows like this often right back in when I was growing up there were tons of shows like this teaching us how to do things and we don't have that anymore it's like come do it on your own like everything's DIY you know do yeah. it on your own well we need to build that community and I see what you guys are doing and that's uh, that is so good I mean to kind of some of us want to buy homes here. How is that going to be possible? And I think having a show like yours is really helpful too. So I'm glad I shared my bathroom story with y'all. Oh, you're, you're, you're too kind. That's thank you very much. Well, with that, uh, RSL, we Good. will let you go. Um, do plug yeah. uh, the the podcast and the website are available. Where can we get a hold of those and find them? Yes, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes at Midwest Mujeres, and online at MidwestMujeres.com. That's Midwest and Mujeres is actually the Spanish word for woman, so it's M U J E R E S. That's how you spell that one, guys. All right, we got it. We'll put some links to that. Difficult. I mean, come on, everything (laughs) in Wisconsin is difficult. We'll make it difficult. We'll make sure to put links to your to your podcast (laughs) as well as as well as the Dane County Time Bank as well, just for good measure. We'll put some links to those organizations on our on our episodes page, and we thank you again, Araceli. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yes. See ya. Good Thanks. Night. Take care. All right. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, ben Anton is just to my left. Well, directly in front of me, I guess. Buenos dias. If you keep taking lefts, you'll get there, I guess. Yes. But good day to you, sir. Um, ben, what was that? That was Araceli Asparza. Host of the Midwest Mujeres. I get, she's a treat. That was so much fun to have her on. Uh, that was <laughs> she's that was got high energy. energy. <laughs> <laughs> you and I, we loaf about, we chit chat, we talk about you know, talk to people smarter than we are, and and then wow. The girl's Boom. got energy. Yeah. She's, no wonder she had to do her own bathroom I remodel. Know, right? and she couldn't wait for anybody else. Yeah. She and it sounded like the the management of that project to be your own contractor essentially to get all to coordinate all those things. Like that's the hard part. I think that's what she was saying. That's hard, but it's a very doable thing and it can also save you some money. Understanding the steps in the process, I think, is what, what she 
was the the hurdle that she spoke of and, and just understanding what has to happen first and that can be something that you learn by listening to this or uh, or something you can get the gist of by reaching out to someone like me or a plumber like Polly from episode one mm-hmm. um, one note that we said like the big spend and I think she noted is like when you open the floor up yeah. Like you make that choice to dig out your base room, your basement floor, you're digging into concrete. You should know ahead of time, like what, what things you want to do. You want the sink to go here. You want that there. Like make right. those she decisions. She said it was about $3,500 to get the rough in, which is going to mean that the, that the floor is exposed, the stud walls are up and all the plumbing has been run. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And she did really. That was a really mo- a modest price for a pretty nice bathroom that that you might see a picture of online. The doing the work yourself, I think, gives you that satisfaction. I know she did, she contracted out, but they also did some work themselves. You got something beautiful. That's again, go and when last it is your own, time. when it is your own home, you are allowed to do the electrical. You are even allowed to do the plumbing, and then have it inspected by the by the building inspector before you seal it up, and you will be uh, you'll be off to the races, mm-hmm. off to your brand new assessed value. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and if you like this podcast, again, thank you for listening. I also do recommend Midwest Muharis. Uh, RSLA does fantastic work of the topics, the content that they have on there is uh, it's it's got heart and it's it's solid stuff. Yeah, production values rivaled only by <laughs> real estate in the six hundred eight. That's right. That's right. All right, Ben. So that is uh, season two, episode seven. Talk about the newsletter that's out there that you can subscribe to. It's called the twenty second twenty second read. It arrives on the twenty second. Takes about twenty seconds to read. You may sign up for it by visiting at in the six hundred eight on Facebook and clicking sign up. It's kind of like my little real estate monthly newsletter. It's fun, easy. Sometimes there's cool stuff in it, like invites. Yeah. To back when we used to do back stuff. Back when we could all go out yeah. and like. Uh, so thank you, Ben. Thank you to everyone who's uh, tuned into this episode. We do appreciate you listening. Um, thank you to our Madison musicians who have participated in this <laughs> yeah. episode. And that little special note from my dad. <laughs> your pops. Thanks. Thanks for opening up the program there with your. Your, uh, your <laughs> rave reviews. <laughs> and to all our 608 musicians. Yeah, uh, Renclaw, El Donk, Bob Westfall, Seesaw. Mad City Jug Band. Yeah. How many takes did your dad take to get that one? We, we call him One Take Anton. He's One Take Anton? Yeah. Uh, well done. Thank you, Ben. Good, <laughs> Thank good you, episode. Adam. Good work. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. Could be taking names, and we could be record breaking. Could be.
Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. Singing you this waiting song 